Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. We're continuing in our Advent series, A Thrill of Hope, Rejoicing in a Weary World. And today's um, sermon is, We Want It Now. And the scriptures are Psalm 85, verses 1 and 2, and 8 through 13, and Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9. Starting with a reading from the Psalms. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all, their, all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Let me hear what, the God, what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is a hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him, and will make a path for his steps. And from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, during the pandemic, there are many businesses that have gone belly up, but there are some who are growing rapidly because they were poised to fill the unique set of needs that this strange new world has brought. And one of those businesses is Amazon. I can't tell you how many orders Amazon has brought to my door since the pandemic started. I do remember that in one day, not too long ago, a delivery driver was at my door at least five times. My middle son and his wife avoid Amazon because of the reports of how they treat their workers, and I wish I had their stamina for that kind of protest. But the thing is that I like being able to get what I want so fast. I kid you not, 
I sat on the sofa and ordered something while watching the news at 7 a.m., and it's been delivered by 10 a.m. Crazy, right? The ability to have that kind of instant gratification because that's what it is. Now, I do try to order directly from businesses too, but it always takes longer, and I have to calculate if I'm willing to wait that long. Sometimes, as I'm ordering from Amazon and hitting the buy now button, I actually picture myself as Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka singing, don't care how I want it now. It's maybe not true of everyone, but we've been what my mother would call spoiled rotten. Whatever happened to patience? Whatever happened to waiting? Why do we need instant gratification? Why is it so hard to wait? What are we afraid of? But sometimes it's not always about things or about stuff. It can be that we don't want to wait for things to change, for our situations to get better. Like the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the people to God and the voice of God to the Israelites. They want God to step in and change the circumstances of their lives. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. They want to see God. They want to know God is with them. Remember us? They say, things are a bit out of control down here and we are helpless to do anything to change it. But you, oh mighty powerful one, could come down and shake things up a bit and make life better for us all. The Israelites had been in exile, away from their country, their lands, their families, and now feel like strangers in their own land. They have been given permission to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. But what they had envisioned something equal to or even better than what was lost, will not be possible. They've lost so much. And the hope they had within them on the way is ebbing fast. For 70 years, they dreamed of rebuilding their temple. Going home was the vision that kept them alive, but it wasn't anything like they expected. And to top it off, some of their own people who had been captive in a different place were mocking them working against them and trying to stop them. The thought of how everything had changed, how everything was so much harder and nothing would be what they had hoped for, made them wonder why all this had happened. They were supposed to be God's own people, loved by God, watched over by God, a God who was all-powerful, so much so that nothing in heaven or earth could stand against their God. Yet all of these terrible things had happened. They were angry, grieving, and asking the one question we all ask when seemingly bad things happen to seemingly good people. Where are you, God? Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. We need to see you, God. And they don't want to just see God. They want to experience God's power. We call an appearance or vision of God a theophany. When Abraham and God walked together talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, that was a theophany. Moses at the burning bush, a theophany. When the Israelites were at Mount Sinai and God came down on the mountain, that was a theophany. And this is the very experience of God they are recalling here. Shake the mountain, start a great fire, make the water boil so that everyone who sees it will see your power and know you are real. We need to know that you are with us and that you have the power to do all this so we can believe again. They want to have faith again. 
to feel special and loved again. How can they believe in God's power and favor unless they have the evidence? My brother and I had a conversation recently about those documentaries that try to prove or disprove the events we read about in the Bible. I know you've probably watched some of them. They can be pretty fascinating. I watched a team of people look for evidence of Noah and the flood around the world. And I'm sure you're all aware that they're still looking for Noah's Ark, right? Well, this documentary was looking for geological evidence of a global flood. And it was captivating to see what lengths they went to, the evidence they found, and what they didn't find that they were expecting to find if indeed that flood actually happened. Some time ago, there was a whole series on discovering biblical secrets, and I watched one or two episodes, but it always comes down to this. You either believe or you don't. Christianity, by definition, is based on faith, and faith is all about believing where there is no hard proof. Hebrews 11.1 tells us, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we can add no real proof. We can't call ourselves Christians if we don't have faith. Faith in God and especially faith that Jesus Christ is our Savior, the Messiah who came to save us from our sins. The Bible, God's Word, is the story of our relationship with God. The book that tells us about God's character, about who God is and what God has done for us. It's not meant to be a history book that you can go to Mount Ararat and find that actual ark and then say, oh, there it is. So the rest of the stuff we read must be true. God will be found when God wants to be found and will reveal himself to those whom he wants to reveal himself. The rest of us just have to go on faith alone. I don't believe we're actually meant to find that absolute proof. We're meant to have faith, faith in what we know in our heart and soul to be true, unconcerned with whether or not we can find that solid proof people seem to always be looking for. The voice of the people in Isaiah is desperate. They are living in dark times, and really all they're asking for is some reassurance that there is hope of a future with peace. They want reassurance that there is an all-powerful God who loves them still and is leading them into the future. Isn't that our voice right now, too? These are dark times for us as well. I, for one, would like to see God in a mighty way, to be reassured that this pandemic will not have the last word in our lives, that the hatred and anger, the economic struggles, the division and violence will not silence the hope for the future God has promised us. Sometimes I can feel the anxiety rising, and I just want a little squeeze from God's hand to remind me he's still with us that he hasn't left us on our own. I want my own personal theophany. I want to see God. I want somehow to have proof that I'm not just making up things in my head and because if I have to face this future on my own, under my own power, then I'm not sure I have it in me. This is what I hear in this passage too. We're not alone in our desire to have God do something special, miraculous even, 
so our faith can grow a little stronger. Just a little proof, right, God? What can you do for us now? Well, over the course of history for the people of God, we can't have faith in the future, God promises us, without first looking back. It's in the past where we find our reason to have faith. It's not proof per se. It's the act of remembering what God has done, the promises he has already fulfilled, and having faith that he will continue to fulfill his promises to us. One promise we rely on as people of faith is that God will never leave us or forsake us. And throughout our Bible, we read the story of God's people, those whom God had chosen to be a light to the nations, to be the chosen way God would reveal himself to the world. We read about God's mighty acts, creation, the flood, the parting of the Red Sea, leading his people through an unforgiving wilderness to the promised land, giving them a king who would make them a strong nation and a line of kings who would lead them with God's wisdom. The Israelites clearly remembered all these events as they remind God of all he has done in the past to convince him to do it again. And we see that they were never alone, no matter how they behaved no matter what was going on. But when our faith is wavering, isn't it us and not really God who needs reminding of what God has already done? When we search for proof of God's presence with us, that God's love is still with us, we begin by looking at the past, what God has already done. For me personally, I can look back over my life and see so many ways God has acted to keep me safe, to give give me strength, to reveal his presence. I wouldn't be able to prove that to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus already, and I wouldn't try. But as people of faith, We can all point to how we have seen God, our own theophany, by pointing to the manger. Jesus is God in the flesh. The Israelites couldn't point to baby Jesus, the incarnation of God, because God had not revealed himself that way yet. But we live in the here and now, when this event is in the past. The Israelites called on God to tear open the heavens and come down. And this is exactly what God did in Jesus. God was no longer up in the heavens where human beings could not reach him. He tore open the heavens and came down to us. Throughout his life, Christ tore open and broke down the barriers that kept us from knowing God's presence. He showed us in person the love of God through his teaching, his healing, his love for all people. He broke the barrier of sin by his death on the cross, even tearing the curtain between the holy of holies and the common people so we can have access to the God of the universe. He tore down the walls of death by rising from the dead in order to give us new life. God himself came down and shook the mountains of sin and evil, power and oppression, and showed us the proof of his love, the truth of his promises, and all we have to do is recognize them for what they are and have faith. Waiting for the world to be made right is hard. Waiting for a pandemic to be over is draining our energy and strength. 
We want God to take it away, for his power to be revealed now. I know I'd love for all this to be done and over with, but God has the final say in all that, and I have no idea what God is thinking. What I do know is that I don't have to know what God is thinking. My faith tells me that I know that because I know he came to us in the flesh, born as a vulnerable baby so long ago, that he is with us now through it all. Because I know that this is true, I can have faith in all God's promises. His word tells me I am loved with an everlasting love and that nothing in heaven or on earth can separate me from that love. His word tells me that faith is all I need to step into a life of hope and peace, even in the midst of chaos. His word tells me that I am never alone, that he is always with me, leading and guiding me through this dark time as well as the good times. My faith that this is true gives me strength to keep moving forward, knowing that we will get through this by the grace of God. And as people of faith, we will get through it together. Take some time this week to really reflect on what it means that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. What does that mean for you, especially during this hard time we are living through? Spend some time reading the story of Christ's birth in Matthew and Luke. What do you believe about all that? How would faith in Christ, that Christ is God's plan to save us make a difference in how you listen to and hear that story? Then take a moment to find a way to share the story of Jesus' birth with someone this week. Read a book about the nativity to your children Make a TikTok video retelling the story in a new way. Be sure to say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. Set up your nativity set or give one as a gift to someone else. Talk about the story with your family. There are so many ways to share your faith, and as you do, I believe it will help yours grow. Faith in Jesus is what will get us through all of this. We can have faith in the future that God has promised because we believe Jesus was born in a manger so long ago. Looking back to look forward, God tore open the heavens and love came down at Christmas. We may have a long wait for that future that we hope for, even though we want it now. But there's no Amazon delivery driver for this one. We wait because God knows the future. And we have faith that whatever God has planned for us, it is amazing. So we wait. And we wait together, sharing our faith in the future with others to help us on the journey. Do not be afraid. Have faith. It will be worth the wait. Amen.